Please stand with me at the reading of God's Word, Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. The Holy Spirit says through the Apostle Paul, To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. You may be seated. Let me... Uh, be really clear that in order to be a pastor, uh, you don't have to be savvy at business. Um, that's not a requirement anywhere in Scripture. But when, when a church just happens to have a pastor who is like that, then that church probably does get an extra blessing, and this church does have that blessing. That elder, obviously, is me. If you want to know, if a contract is good, you come and you ask me. You know if a deal is worth taking, you can always come to me because I know these kinds of things. That was a joke. And it's the last joke you're going to hear. I, I think the Lord... Uh, brought us to this message, this passage, this week, because I just happen to be in a contract right now. And the Lord's using it to help me to understand what He is saying and what He would say to you. I know, even this week, that whenever you're signing a contract, timing matters. Kelly and I, felt the pressure of time this week whenever we signed a contract to sell our house. We were stressing about it. We were wondering, is there anything else that we need to be thinking about before we sign this contract? We were reaching out to people who actually know about this kind of thing and wondering, is there anything we should change to the contract before we sign it? Because we knew. Once the contract is signed, it's too late to renegotiate. That's the title of the sermon. Too late to renegotiate. Because this passage is explaining salvation for Christians as if it's a deal that God made with those that He would save. And I want you to see here 
The focus he has in these verses is time. Look back in verse 15. No one annuls a covenant or adds to it once it has been ratified. Look again in verse 17. The focus is time. Verse 17. He talks about something that happens 430 years after God made a deal with Abraham. And that does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God. The focus here is time. The deal of salvation has a time element to it. I would ask you this morning, are you in the deal? Are you in that deal that God has made with humanity to save? And you can know, even if your answer right now is, no, I'm not in that deal. You can be today in that deal. And I want to tell you right now what the best part of the deal is. The best part of the deal of salvation is God ain't backing out of His promise to save. That's the sermon in a sentence. God ain't backing out of His promise to save. Point number one, we'll see in verses 15 and 16, and there Paul is telling us that the terms were promised. Verses 15 and 16, the terms of the deal were promised. This passage uh, starts in the middle of an argument. You heard that to give a human example. Paul is giving us an illustration of what he has been saying earlier in chapter 3 where he was trying to convince us that salvation only comes to those who believe. And then, and then last week that if you try to obey your way into heaven, all you're going to get is a curse. And then he gives us this human example. Verse 15, he says, all y'all know from your own experience that it's too late to renegotiate once the deal is done. Look again in verse 15. No one annuls a done deal or adds to a done deal once it has been ratified. He wants us to think about the covenants we're familiar with. Let's just take the most familiar one to us. Marriage. Where on that day of the wedding, the parties place rings on fingers and then promise, I do. But before that, they exchange vows. These are the terms of that deal. For better or worse. This is the term of my promise to marry you. It's for better or worse. It is for richer or poorer. I'm promising to be your spouse in sickness, but also in health. And the idea, and you know this, once you promise and then say, I do, 
It does not matter what financial disaster comes years later. Once you've promised and said, I do, it does not matter what changes their bodies end up having, their personalities end up having. It does not matter years later, different people you didn't know, but then you meet them. It doesn't matter. Once the vows are communicated... And the idea is said, those vows are ratified. And it's too late to renegotiate. The point Paul is making is even with human covenants, they are unchangeable and they are unbreakable. And I feel the need right now to ask you the question. Do you feel the world is broken? How easily. We might might just totally not get whatever Paul's saying right here. He's making a point. But we live in a world where wedding vows are easily broken. We live in a world where parents promise to care for children and then abuse them and abandon them. Just consider how selfish we are. Consider how many, even Christians, are unforgiving and peace-breaking. It's important when you read verse 15 to understand the rest of the verses that Paul is talking about how we should be. Not how so many are. It's important if you're going to understand salvation that, that God does not break promises like we do. And instead, the people of God should keep promises like He does. And verse 16 That's the word he starts using. A promise. That when it comes to salvation, God came to terms specifically with Christ. Yesterday as I was driving home from a family Christmas celebration, the kids were in the back and they they were uh, watching um, the movie Aladdin, and I and I heard this this thing happen in this movie where the genie comes out of the lamp and he offers three wishes to Aladdin, and Aladdin Aladdin tricks him with the first wish. Right, he asks to get out of the cave, and 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 the genie thinks he's already given his first wish, but then Aladdin says, "No, I didn't. I didn't follow the terms you laid out for me. You said I have to say I wish and rub the lamp. I didn't rub the lamp." And the genie says, oh man, you tricked me. I'll be watching you more carefully. I want you to follow what Paul is saying here. Because even we just have a few verses here 
Paul's making a very carefully worded argument. He wants us to think carefully about the terms that were actually agreed upon in God's covenant with Abraham. He is saying, look in verse 16. The promises were made to Abraham. Pay close attention. It doesn't say that the promises were made by Abraham. It says that the promises were made to Abraham. He wasn't the one promising. And originally, back in Genesis 15, this is why we read that passage this morning, God was promising to Abraham this land, the promised land. He said to Abraham, I give you this land to possess. In other words, at that point in the story of God, the whole world is cursed. No one knows God. And he's saying, this little section of the earth, I will live with my people there. It was a promise that God made to Abraham. Now that should amaze you. If you really understand that our sin against God has forfeited any claim that we have upon His goodness. The fact that God would then come along and initiate this promise to sinful humanity is amazing. And if you want to escape this broken world that is so filled with death and lies, and if you want to live forever with God, you can. But you have to read this very carefully. Verse 16, the promises were made to Abraham and his offspring. It does not say to offsprings. You're going to know who he came to terms with. He came to terms with one offspring who is Christ. That word offspring, if you're reading carefully and you're in the know, that word seed is one of the most important words in all the Bible. Let me tell you, right after God was carrying out His death sentence to the first sinners in Genesis chapter 3, He gave a promise He didn't have to give. But listen to the promise. I will put enmity between you, serpent, who tempted Adam and Eve, and Eve, the woman, and between your, here it is, offspring and her offspring. And the one offspring will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, the first promise to save was given through the offspring. Then the passage we just read. When God is talking to Abraham, you have to read this very closely. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your offspring, I'm going to give this land. Do you understand how important this is? Paul's saying you've got to understand how important this is if you're going to be saved. Since the first moment when salvation was needed, because sin came, the only way to get saved was from the singular offspring. 
God says, I promise to save you through a seed who is Christ. This is absolutely essential. The only way you can get any of God's promises is with Him. With Christ. The terms have been agreed upon. The deal is done. And it is too late to renegotiate. God ain't backing out of His promise to save. Point number two comes in verses 17 and 18. Where he he not only says, if you look back at the deal, the terms were promised. He also says, if you just look very carefully and think about this, law wasn't part of the deal. Your obedience wasn't part of the deal. If the Lord is willing... The sale of our house is going to go through in the coming weeks. You know how ridiculous it would be if after they pay us for our house, then we go to them and say, do you mind if we just stay a spell? And we agree to a very tiny amount of rent that we pay each month, but then we never leave? You know what they would say? Look, this rental agreement that was made after the sale cannot void the sale. Get out my house. This is what Paul is saying in verse 17. The later deal is a different deal. You see that? Paul is granting here that God, yeah, he did different deals in history. What specifically is different, though, about the deal that God made with Abraham and the deal that he made at Sinai with Israel through those Ten Commandments. What was different was how it is you would get the blessing. These two deals are completely different in that regard. How you get the blessing. And friends, you've got to listen very closely here because, listen, you will lose everything. You will completely miss Christ. And He's the only one the deal is with. All of God's blessings come only through Him. You'll lose everything. If you think God's deal with us is like God's deal with Israel. Israel got their blessing by their obedience. And Paul is saying, but the one that was made 400 years earlier, the one with Abraham, he got his blessing by God's promise, not by his obedience. I just want you to 
think just a moment. We read Genesis 15 earlier. Genesis 17, you'd have to flip the page. Time would have passed before you get to the point where Abraham obeyed a command of circumcision. You understand time matters. His obedience doesn't come in until after the deal was done. Now, in chapter 5 of Galatians, after all this, we will have heard about how obedience and our performance does not get us saved. In chapter 5, it starts talking a lot about obedience. Okay, Paul's not confused. Understand this. In the covenant, in the deal we have with God as Christians, obedience does not secure the blessing. But our obedience does show that we've already been blessed. It comes after. Verse 18, he then says, this was the deal. God promised you will inherit this land with me, salvation with me. That is a promise, beloved. And God doesn't back out of promises. Verse 15, read that again. For if the inheritance comes by the law, that is by obedience, it can no, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it, He gave it to Abraham, the inheritance. He just gave it to him, a gift, by a promise. Listen to me. God is real. Heaven is real. You're going to die. Heaven is real. And hell is real. And if you are not someone whose life is connected to the Lord Jesus, if you're not someone who loves Him and trusts Him and follows Him, and you die and you show up to eternity bringing in your pre-approval letter, bringing in some evidence that you're qualified to enter into blessing, God is going to say very clearly, no deal. But there is a deal he'll take. And it's the one that he made with Abraham. This is so amazing to me. We started our passage, this the reading this morning with Genesis 15, verse 7, verse 8, right after Abraham, God gave the blessing by a promise to Abraham. I'm going to give you this land. Listen to what Abraham says. God, how am I to know? How can I know I will possess it? And then we read this weird ritual in Genesis 15. And that ritual was God's answer to the question, how do I know I'm going to live with you forever? In Abraham's day, whenever a deal was made, you didn't shake on it. Instead, as we just read, you would take your pets and you would cut some of them in half. Just follow me. This is what the text says. You would take your pets and you would cut them in half. And on you put half of Fido over here and then the other half of Fido on another side, socially distanced, you know, from his former half of him. He's dead. The blood is 
everywhere. And then you would do that with the rest of the pets, the, a goat, a turtle dove, etc. This is it. This is God's answer. How do I know? This is this is the way they would they would guarantee a promise. How do I know you're going to keep your end of the deal? Each party would then walk through the lane that was made by these dead bodies to symbolize. You can kill me. If I back out of this promise, you can do to me what we just did to our pets. Abraham says, how can I know you're going to be my God and I will be yours and we're going to live together forever? God, I know. When Adam disobeyed, you kicked him out of your presence. How do I know? God says, make this lane of carcasses. And then he put Abraham to sleep. And when Abraham was asleep, fire appeared and went through the lane. And the text says, God made a covenant that day with Abraham while Abraham was asleep. You get it? The deal's done. And the deal's done when Abraham was completely unconscious. What God is saying, may I, how am I going to know? Well, just know this. I'm not counting on anything from you. I'm not counting on you for any part of this. Go to sleep. I'm the only one who's walking through those dead bodies. God walks through and he says, may death come to me if I go back on my promise to save you. The Lord God on that day made a covenant with Abraham and it's too late to renegotiate. And in the fullness of time, that promise needed to be fulfilled. And the offspring of Abraham and the Son of God come together in this one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, born as a baby. And He grows up And he dies on a cross to keep God's promises. To keep God's promise that he's going to punish sinners. And so the sinless one takes all the sins of everyone he would save on the cross. And then he kept the promise that God is going to live only with the righteous. So the sinless son of God exchanges his righteousness with all those who trust in him, all those sinners, and gives them all the light that they need as he is raised from the dead to save them. This is good news. This is what our salvation is based upon. That covenant. You need to understand this. Listen to me. This is the most important deal you can ever get in on. Children, you're thinking, I'm wondering what my life is going to be like. I wonder what kind of job I'm going to have. You're going to have deals in front of you. Deals for employment. Deals perhaps for marriage, deals for properties. This is the most important deal in all of your life. And you need to understand that God gives laws to obey. God gives promises to believe. And this deal is based on promises. And what I'm saying is, when a blessing is based on a promise and not a law, When a blessing is based on a promise, all you have to do to get in 
is believe. Believe the promise. God said, I'm going to save in this way, through Christ, and He has done it. Trust Him, and He will save you. God ain't backing out of His promise to save. I want to give you Two, two more terms in the deal of salvation. I hope it encourages you. From this passage, we can learn two more things that Paul wants us to know about salvation. And the first thing is, there's no kick-out clause. I learned this this week. Little thing called kickout clauses. That's where, it, it, if you have a kickout clause in the contract, the seller can get a better offer, and it would be like after the contract is already there. If they get a better offer, they can kick out the first party from the deal and just make a new deal. Paul is is showing us the fine print in this deal of salvation. And he's granting to us, yeah, I get it that Sinai had a kick-out clause. I get it that the deal with Adam had a kick-out clause. They disobey, they get kicked out of God's presence. But that don't mean that the deal of salvation, the deal that I make with Christ, has a kick-out clause. It is nowhere to be seen, beloved. God ain't backing out of His promise to save. It's just too late for that. So Christian, every one of us sins after God saves us. And some of us Sin terribly. Wreck our marriages. Ruin our children. Destroy relationships. Our sins cannot kick us out of God's presence. That's how good the deal with Christ is. But secondly, and I think this is even more important than the fact that there's no kickout clause, is, is that we need to think about who we're dealing with. Think about who we're dealing with. You know, nowadays, if you're entering into a big deal, you know, where tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars are, are going to be exchanged. What you do today is you at least find them on Facebook. Can I learn a little something about them on social media? Figure out, I should get into this deal with this guy. Can I trust their promise? When the stakes are high, who you're dealing with is the most important factor. And this is God's, this is Paul's point. Once it's God who makes the promise, think about who you're dealing with. 
when he promised, he knew everything that was going to happen. Don't tell me anything about unforeseen circumstances. It would come along and maybe change his mind. There is no such thing when we are dealing with God. God's promise to save all who believe will not ever change. There's no reason ever to change. Think about who you're dealing with. He is all-powerful. Old age, inability to now carry it about, impossible. God's promise to save all who believe will not ever be broken. Who we're dealing with is God. And once He makes a promise, it is literally too late to back out. So I'll say it one last time. God ain't backing out of His promise to save. And that is something worth amening to at the end of the sermon, or He might preach it again. God ain't backing out of His promise to save. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. It is powerful. It is true. It is exactly what we need. God, it corrects us in all the ways that we would be tempted to doubt that you would turn away from us or that, that, that it ever was based upon our goodness. God, we thank you that, that salvation is based upon the abilities of our Savior and that he accomplished everything that's needed and that the deal is made with one who can't change his mind the one who can't fail, the one who knows everything. We thank you that we get to know and forever live getting to know this God who cannot back out of his promises. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.